Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. to listeners welcome back to dt kane's epic fantasy book club today is april 2nd 2023 as i record this which is episode 32 of season two of the podcast and episode 59 overall we will be picking up here on the second half of chapter 35 of declaimer's discovery you'll recall last week that we Switched perspectives to Deliritus. He just arrived in Fortune uh, seven days after uh, we left Baz, who was uh, apparently captured uh, by Farston after he broke into Liamina Library. Uh, Deliritus uh, is in the reading district in Fortune, and he was just uh, he just turned away from the execution of a uh, a speaker. Uh, by the torture wheel, um, and he's just seen a man in a uh, curiously colorful robe. Uh, and you, uh, you may recall that there was a man in a curiously colorful robe in the prologue of this novel. Uh, you can go back and uh, re-listen to the prologue in episode one of season two if you need a refresher. But uh, otherwise, uh, let's jump right back in here. If you're following along in the print book, this is page 323 of the paperback edition of Declaimer's Discovery. You don't look like you're from around here, son. Son? Del frowned at the man, putting a hand to his head to make sure he was wearing his hat. And erstwhile, there was many a reader who'd order a man whipped for addressing him so, but Del supposed making a scene would do nothing to help him. Besides, the man was likely just a middling merchant who didn't know any better. His robe wasn't that nice up close, though it outshone the dingy riding jacket Del still sported. Greetings, Dell said, giving the man a short bow. What makes you say that? The stranger chuckled. Well, you're about as white as those conservators' robes, for starters. Dell scowled. Do you mean to imply, sir, that if I was from fortune, I'd be accustomed to such gratuitous displays of cruelty? They're not even trying to extract information from him. The man in the colored robe raised an eyebrow. Dell cleared his throat, realizing he just criticized the punishment being exacted upon a speaker who'd been found guilty of sedition. Rather than take issue with the statement, though, the stranger ceased his chuckling, expression growing somber, not unlike how he'd looked before noticing Dell. In my experience, son, there aren't many in oration who'd speak so. It is refreshing. 
Oh, Dell said, looking down at his boots. Well, my father says I often open my mouth before I ought to, so my apologies if I offended. But where are my manners? Dell raised his eyes to look the stranger in the face. I am Deliritus Actus Torchsire, Marquis and heir to Torchsire Library in erstwhile, and that city's representative at the upcoming Triumvirate Congress. The man's brows rose again. Then he gave Dell a much deeper bow than Dell had given him. Pardon me, Marquis. I'd not have addressed you so informally if I'd known. It's just... I'm unaccustomed to seeing men of your stature out in public without a speaker in tow. Whatever minor lifting of Dell's spirits the man's bow had caused was immediately nixed and then some. The man's tone also wasn't nearly as respectful as the depth of his bow might have otherwise implied it would be. There was something lyrical in his words, almost as if he was suppressing a chuckle. Yes, well, we ran into some unfortunate circumstances during our travels here, Dell said curtly, nodding backward to indicate rocks. He could now feel the large man hovering right over his shoulder, as he always did when Dell interacted with any other person who drew breath. Ah, an enigmin. The robed man gave rocks a bow surprisingly similar to the one he'd given Dell. If Rox's size intimidated him, it didn't show on the man's face. How go things in the Verity Mountains? the robed man asked. The Verity Mountains? What was the man talking about? Dell had never heard of such a place. Clearly, there was something off with this chap. The Verity Mountains, Rox repeated. I have not heard that name in a very long time. Dell looked over his shoulder to the harbor. Rox's brows were drawn down as if in confusion. He looked back to the man in the colored robe. "'You'll have to forgive me,' the stranger said, bowing again. "'An old term for enigma I once heard. That's all I meant.' "'Oh,' Dell said, giving a nervous laugh. The man was obviously deluded. Well, I'm afraid Rox won't be able to give you any news from there. He hasn't been to Enigma since I was born. Ah, oh yes, I keep forgetting. The masks. He's your harbor, then? Yes, Dell said slowly. What sort of man didn't know what a harbor's mask meant? For that matter, what sort of man addressed a harbor so directly and so casually? I apologize, Dell said. But we really must be going. Preparations for the Congress and all. I'm sure you understand, my good man. Certainly, the robed man said, though he held a hand out to forestall Dell's immediate departure, the linked rings on his fingers jingling like a feast-day ensemble. But at least allow me to introduce myself. I'm Stefan of Galfet Library. It was Dell's turn to raise an eyebrow. Oh, you're a Galfet reader, then? Forgive me, it's just you're not wearing a hat. No offense taken. Besides, I'm not exactly a Galfet reader anyway. Er, I thought you said you're from Galfet Library. I did. I am employed by the library, but not a member of the family. Ah, but you can read? 
the gracious expression Stefan's face had taken on turned to one of mild irritation. Of course I can read. Dell held his hands out in a calming gesture. Of course, of course, it's just you must do things differently here in Fortune than I'm accustomed to in erstwhile. There, if you're a reader, it means you're a family member in one of the nine libraries. Yes, Stefan said, his face snapping back to one of accommodating civility. That's how it's done here as well, but I'm, well, suffice it to say, I'm a bit of a special case. In fact, I'm currently the steward of Galifet Library. The steward? Dale felt his face heat and immediately bent into a deep bow, sweeping his hat off so that its feather brushed over the cobbles. That was an uncommon title only given during interim periods where a library was mourning the loss of its duke or duchess, but the new one had not yet been appointed. During that period, the steward held all the powers of a duke, which meant this man actually outranked him. My humblest apologies, sir, if I'd known... No matter, no matter, Stefan said, pushing Dell's formality away like a man might a serving of overdone peas. I'm not exactly dressed as a steward, and I don't even have a harbor with me, much less a speaker. I'd fail my own test for what a reader ought to look like. Well, Dell couldn't disagree with that. The man looked about as far from a reader as a squirrel did from a fox. Not that he intended to express such a thought aloud. Torch sire, did you say? Stefan asked, face pensive. Didn't they just win erstwhile's trials? Dell's cheeks flamed, and he prayed Stefan just took it as the embarrassment of a humble man, rather than the shame of a fraud. Indeed, sir, I was victorious just a few months back. Oh, very good. I'd heard rumors that your speaker is rather... gifted. The man smiled as if he meant something more than he was saying aloud. Dell glanced to rocks. One less familiar with the harbor likely would have seen no change in the giant man's demeanor, but Rox's hand had crept just a bit closer to the hilt of his razor. Dell gave a subtle shake of his head. It had to just be the man's peculiar way of speaking. He couldn't possibly know about Bastion. Dell turned back to Stefan, laughing but keeping his words guarded. Bastion certainly was different, if that's what you mean. Was? Stefan asked. Dell tried to keep his tone casual, but found to his dismay that the words left his tongue with a distinct bitterness. His father really was right. His mouth would be the death of him one day. He was lost on our way here. We were attacked off the shores of the shallows by a band of cityless. Bastion, my speaker, was taken along with the conservator who was intended to represent Erstwhile's conservatory at the Congress. Stefan's expression dropped to one of seemingly genuine disappointment. Ah, a true shame. I myself have had a fair share of heartache revolving around speakers as of late. Dell could have smacked himself in the forehead. Of course, this man was from Galfet Library, where the uprising had taken place. Please, permit me to offer my condolences to your entire library, 
Dell said. We may be separated by leagues and leagues, but Torchshire stands in solidarity with you to ensure such a tragedy is not repeated. Yes, thank you, Stephen said, though his tone was distracted, looking over Dell's shoulder. His expression had returned to one of distaste. Dell followed Stephen's gaze, just in time to witness the massive warden roll the wheel over the speaker's midsection. It was probably just his imagination, but Dell was certain he heard the poor wretch's ribs snap. Either the speaker had shouted himself hoarse, or the wheel had driven the air from his lungs, for while he was weeping and shaking in his bonds, little sound was now escaping his lips. Dell shuddered and turned back to Stephen. For one apparently so accustomed to such displays, Dell said, you appear awfully sullen. Why aren't you cheering along with the rest of the crowd? Stefan refocused on Dell, a grim smile upturning his lips, though the frown remained reflected in his eyes. That is a Galfet speaker. It's due to my failure that he's found himself in that unfortunate position. Your failure? Dell asked, unable to keep the flabbergast from his voice. Certainly you didn't encourage him to sedition. No, of course not, Stephen snapped, almost too quickly. He took a long breath. But when you take from a man his freedom, you assume the responsibility for his actions, and for teaching him what he can and cannot do. Dell scoffed. Don't be so hard on yourself. Most speakers wouldn't know what was good for them if it was handed to them on a tray. We can only do so much. If they act out, it certainly isn't our fault. You can always buy another. Stefan remained silent for a time, his eyes drifting back to the scene over Dell's shoulder. Another thud of the wheel signaled the breaking of another of the speaker's limbs. Dell didn't turn to look, and Stefan gave no indication of upset other than the thin-lipped expression he already wore. Finally, his stare returned to Dell. So, in your view, speakers do have freedom, then? What? No, of course not. They're our property. They're no more free than... Dell looked about for an apt comparison. Well, no more free than our boots, I suppose. I put them on each morning, they go wherever I wish, serve at my whims. Hmm. Stefan raised a finger to his lips as if in deep thought. Yet, you believe speakers are accountable for their own actions? Well, of course, they chose them. Ah. Stefan now waved that same finger beneath Dell's nose. But do they? If they've no freedom, can they exercise free will? Dell laughed, though not from amusement. Of course they have free will. They can choose to disregard any command they please. Their minds are their own. You sound like an enigma, Stuart Stephan. Stephan responded with a laugh of his own, though unlike Dell's, his held a definitive note of amusement. What do you think, Harbor? Stephen asked. There he went again, attempting to draw rocks into a conversation. What a strange man. A decision to act, Rox said, speaking slowly as he often did when he was being certain not to speak an untruth. 
is not freely made if the only alternative offered is death. Del waved a hand in the air. Oh, you'll never get a straight answer from him. Talking to rocks is like conversing with a puzzle. Some of life's most interesting discussions are puzzles, Marquis Deliritus, Stefan responded. Let me ask you this. Is it your boot's fault if its sole separates from the welt, or its leather cracks, or the laces snap? Del rolled his eyes. Of course not, and none of those things would happen to a well-cared-for pair of boots. It's the owner's fault if any of those things happen to... Del scowled, realizing what Stefan had done. You're talking in circles, steward. That's not the same thing as a speaker at all. Stefan raised his hands defensively. It was your analogy, Marquis, not mine. I meant no offense, just to engage in some friendly philosophy. But might I suggest you think on that? On what? Stefan smiled. Why, whether or not it makes sense to view a speaker the same as you do inanimate chattel. If your reaction to the breaking of a man with the wheel is any indication, you have a reasonable head on your shoulders. I think you'll find, if you think on it enough, you'll find it to be an inapt comparison. And once you reach that conclusion, well, if you ever find yourself reaching that conclusion, call on me, and we can continue this banter. But for now, I'm afraid I must be going. Stefan's eyes darted over Dell's other shoulder, away from the grisly execution. Dell followed Stefan's gaze and saw two lines of five men each, all of them dressed in matching uniforms of dark green, pressed so crisply their folds appeared sharp enough to cut steel. The three trees of the creator, the Amina Fortune, was stitched in yellow thread across their jacket breasts, the trunk of the center tree bisected by shining buttons. Each man was dark-skinned, tanned by Fortune's son, and a long sword in a golden scabbard at his hip. They all wore dark facial hair, trimmed with such precision you could have used the edges to level a table. Dell looked back to Stefan to ask who the soldiers were, but the man in the colored robe was gone. Dell had only looked away for a moment, but Stefan was nowhere to be seen, which seemed impossible. Even if he'd turned and run, Dell should have been able to see that robe of his from a mile away. Dell rose up on his tiptoes, thinking perhaps his view was just being blocked by some of the taller folks still gathered to watch the execution. Marquis Deliritus Torchsire? asked an official sounding voice from behind Dell. He turned to find the soldiers stopped directly in front of him. There was an eleventh man with them whom Dell hadn't noticed before. He wore the same uniform as the others, though a number of medals in a variety of colors, some encrusted with gemstones, hung from his jacket, though that was hardly notable considering the man's face, or lack thereof. He wore a bronze mask, sculpted to resemble a man's face, complete with engraved curly hair, openings for the eyes, and a thin slit at the lips. The openings were deep enough that Dell could not see any features of the face hidden within. A single tear was depicted falling from one of the mask's eyes. 
Dell gulped. He'd heard stories of this man, for there was no mistaking who he was. I am Deliritus Torchsire, Dell responded, shamed at how much his voice shook. The soldier standing beside the masked man, apparently the one who'd addressed Dell before he turned, spoke again. By order of General Hedon Vanjo, Supreme Commander of the Indomitable Army, we are to take your property into custody. My property? Yes, the soldier pointed a finger over Dell's shoulder. The harbor, he is to be detained. Hello, DT crew. Uh, once more, welcome back to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Hope you enjoyed uh, the rest of Chapter 35 of Declaimer's Discovery. Um, you know, interesting. Do we uh, have you put together who uh, this man in the many-colored uh, robe is? Uh, like I said at the beginning, we saw him in the prologue, but we have also seen a man in an oddly colorful robe before. Uh, think back to the prologue of book one, The Actus Trials, or uh, if you uh, have read the bonus epilogue to The Actus Trials, he, he also appears there. Um, if you head over to my website, dtkane.com, you can uh, sign up for my email list or sign up for it again, even if you're already on there, to, uh, to get that bonus uh, epilogue to book one, if you haven't read that already. But yes, yeah, so he he keeps popping up here, right? <laughs> so you gotta gotta think he's gonna be important at some point. And then um, Dale seems to be in a bit of trouble here. What did this? What did the soldiers of the Indomitable Army want with rocks? And uh, who is this man in the bronze uh, mask? Presumably he is uh, Hedon Vanjo, uh, who the the captain mentioned there at the end. By order of General Hedon Vanjo, we are to take your property into custody. Um, and you uh, may recall that name has briefly come up in conversation before. Um, Ag, who is uh, Duke Farston's harbor, uh, was trained by the swordmaster Hedon Vanjo. So, uh, so this guy, uh, this guy knows how to use a weapon. So uh going to be interesting to see what happens with that next week when uh, when Dale continues to talk to them and see what they want with rocks. So yeah, so next episode we will be reading chapter 36 of Declaimer's Discovery, and we will see what happens with that. Um, quick personal update here. I am working away on... Uh, Book six of the Spoken Books Uprising currently, uh, probably going to be titled Fire and Ink. Haven't a hundred percent settled on that, but uh, that's the title I've put on the draft thus far. Unless I have a serious change of heart, that's probably what I'm going to be sticking with. Um, about sixty-five thousand words into the draft, um, but I have paused drafting new stuff. Uh, I'm kind of breaking my general rule of flying through the first draft um i'm going back and editing a few things just because i've i've discovered enough plot twists and uh some modified character motivations that i that i just felt like i needed to go back and and rewrite uh a few 
scenes and chapters. <clears throat> uh, I'm almost complete with that now, though, so I'll be uh, plowing on with the draft. This uh, and this is looking like it's going to be a longer, uh, longer entry in the series here, because, like I said, I'm at sixty-five thousand words, and I don't think I'm anywhere close to done. <laughs> so I'm not even sure I'm halfway through yet. So. Uh, you know, 65,000 times two, that's 130. Uh, if I'm not halfway done yet, you know, what are we looking at? 150 plus? That would be the longest book in the series thus far if it actually reaches those heights of word count. So we'll see uh, Declaimer's Discovery. Actually, the book we're reading now, Declaimer's Discovery, is around 140,000 words, and that's currently the longest installment. So, so we shall see. Um, but I'm still grinding away. You know, it's uh, it's tough. You'd think after writing half a dozen novels, it would maybe get a little easier drafting the first the first installment of the or not the first installment, but writing the first draft. But that's uh, at least it's not my experience. You know, each each story seems to have its unique issues that you have to iron out, and you know the self doubt never fully goes away, especially when you don't have a completed manuscript yet. You worry that you know this is the time that you're just going to completely implode and not be able to finish it. Um, but I guess the one benefit of having done this six times before is, is at least I'm prepared <laughs> for this uh, uh, mild writing depression to set in when I'm about halfway through a draft. So uh, I know I just have to keep writing and pushing on and uh, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a finished draft before long. So uh, trying to, trying to keep my chin up and, and keep working on it. And like I said, I'm already, I'm already feeling uh, better about it. You know, the past couple weeks I've been a little down on my writing, but uh, feeling a little more optimistic today. Uh, let's see. Other than that, um, like I said, in the newsletter next week is my birthday, so uh, there will be no newsletter next week. And uh, I may not do a uh, podcast episode next week either. I know that'll disappoint many of you out there, but I'm going to be traveling again next weekend, and I just don't want to. Uh, I don't want to overcommit to uh, to you guys out there, but uh, if I don't release one next week, definitely the following week we'll be we'll be back with an episode. Um, so uh, we'll see. Hang in there. I know I've been a little inconsistent releasing here the past couple months. It's just been a, a busy time over here in the Kane household. <clears throat> um, to tide you over, though, um, if you aren't a uh, newsletter subscriber. I am uh, currently offering a special freebie here. I'm trying to build up some more uh, reviews, particularly on Amazon, of my uh, box set of The Spoken Books Uprising, which has the first three books in it. Um, so if uh, you are interested in uh, receiving a electronic copy of that box set, uh, email me dtkane at dtkane.com and I will uh, give you one free of charge. Uh, the only thing I ask in return is that you leave a review of it on Amazon and wherever else uh, you leave reviews of books like Goodreads or other uh, e-commerce sites. Um, you know, I, I harp on Amazon reviews a lot and I know some people don't really care <laughs> for Amazon, but the fact of the matter is, is you know, that's where the majority of my business still comes from. I mean, I do sell uh, wide across all platforms because I think it's important to offer it wherever uh, people buy books. But, you know, especially when it comes to uh, promotions and stuff, uh, it's Amazon 
that uh, promoters look to to see how many reviews it has there. So the reviews on Amazon do, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on your view on things, carry a, a greater weight than necessarily reviews elsewhere. So that's the only reason I say that. But a review anywhere is uh, is definitely much appreciated. Um, but like I said, uh, you can email me, dtkane, at dtkane.com. Uh, if you're listening to this in the next, like, say, you know, two weeks, it's April 2nd, 2023 right now, you know, if you are listening to this way in the future, don't <laughs> don't email me for a free box set because this is a, a limited uh, time offer. But uh, do remember, uh, in addition to the three books, there are also two original essays in that box set um, written by me about my inspirations for the series. Uh, and there's also character art depicting Baz, Rox, and Deliritus. So if you are interested, even if you've read the first three books already and you're uh, interested in reading those essays and seeing that character art, it is worth your time. So uh, feel free to email me about that. Uh, okay, so then uh, we've just got our fantasy quote of the week here. This week's comes from Jim Butcher and uh, Death Masks, which is uh, one of the novels in his Dresden Files series. <clears throat> Life would be unbearably dull if we had answers to all our questions. Uh, so I was browsing Goodreads uh, for this week's quote of the week, and uh, as I said in the news newsletter, uh, sorry if that spoils the fantasy some of you may have had of me uh, sitting in an easy chair thumbing through physical books each Thursday night uh, searching for my quote of the week. I'm usually just doing Google searches, which usually lead me to Goodreads to find quotes. Uh, but I stopped on this one because uh, it made me think of a, a couple valuable lessons, I think. Uh, I also stopped on it because uh, I've recently been continuing my read-through of the uh, the Dresden Files series. I'm currently on Cold Days, which is book 14 in the series. Uh, there's currently 17 of them out, so I'm nearly caught up with the, uh, with the series. Um, and if you've ever, uh, or if you've never listened to the Dresden audiobooks, you should do yourself a favor and and go download Stormfront right now, which is uh, that's book one in the series. Uh, they are narrated by James Marsters, who uh, played uh, Spike in the uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show. Um, though you do not have to be a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan to enjoy his narration or the Dresden Files, but he is an excellent narrator. I would say he's probably right up there with. Uh, Tim Curry and Michael Kramer and Kate Redding as some of my uh, favorite audiobook narrators. Uh, but anyway, back to the quote. Uh, again, life would be unbearably dull if we had answers to all our questions. Um, yeah, I think we all sometimes get too preoccupied with answers. That's what made this quote made me think of. Uh, for instance, I'm not sure I know how, so I just won't try. Or why did he do that? Or, what will happen if I make this change? Uh, the search for answers can sometimes become paralyzing, and the fact is, sometimes an answer isn't readily available, or there isn't just one answer. Should you change your job? There are pros and cons. Is it wise to tackle a new project at work, even though you aren't sure you can do it? Well, it's a risk, but you couldn't press your boss. Uh, why did that guy snap at you yesterday? Well, I don't know, maybe his mom just died, or maybe he's just an asshole. 
Uh, I'm not suggesting we shouldn't think critically and weigh what we know, but we must also accept that there will always be more information to gather, always more time to think. Consider carefully, but then act with conviction. Will things always go right? Of course not. But a life of action is better than a life of regretting your inaction. Uh, this quote also uh, made me think of a related item, uh, which is the news. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, the, I cringe when I hear about the news, frankly. Uh, there's a lot of bad that goes on in the world, and the news shoves it into our faces because it's the ugly and shocking that sells papers or online advertisements. Uh, and unfortunately, not the pleasant and heartwarming things that are going on out there. Uh, I know people who agonize over all of the tragic headlines. But ask yourself, how much value do you actually get from the news you consume? There's little you can do about most of it, and for the truly evil things that are so often reported, there is no use obsessing over how someone could have done such a thing, because there's often no good answer. See above. Now, I don't advocate ignoring the news completely, but as with most things, I think it's best consumed in moderation. Read the headlines, scan a few articles, if you must, but when your blood pressure begins to rise, put down the paper or your smartphone and go read a novel instead. <laughs> It'll make both you and authors everywhere happier. Uh, all right, that's my latest entry into the quote of the week where I try to... Uh, apply uh, passages from fantasy novels to real life and uh, real life lessons. And as always, um, if you have a favorite fantasy quote you think would be uh, a good uh, addition to a future installment of Fantasy Quote of the Week, email me, dtkane at dtkane.com, and I may very well share it in a future newsletter and podcast. Uh, also, just a quick reminder uh, to check out this week's newsletter for some photos of my trip to New York City. Got a few good ones in there. Uh, and I'm also renting a new camera for my birthday this week. So uh, when the newsletter returns in two weeks, I uh, hope to have lots of good photos to share with you then as well. And if you aren't a newsletter subscriber, you can head over to dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. Uh, and you can sign up for the newsletter. Or you can just go to dtkane.com, and the newsletter sign-up is uh, pretty prominently displayed there on the, uh, the right-hand side of the screen. Uh, so that is all for this week. Uh, so until next time, this has been D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com slash books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com slash email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. 
See you next week.